Section 17 of The Art of Worldly Wisdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. The Art of Worldly Wisdom by Paldasar Gracian. Translated by Joseph Jacobs. Section 17. Number 141. Do not listen to yourself. It is no use pleasing yourself if you do not please others, and as a rule, general contempt is the punishment for self-satisfaction. The attention you pay to yourself you probably owe to others. To speak and at the same time listen to yourself cannot turn out well. If to talk to oneself when alone is folly, it must be doubly unwise to listen to oneself in the presence of others. It is a weakness of the great to talk with the recurrent, as I was saying, and, eh, which bewilders their hearers. At every sentence they look for applause or flattery, taxing the patient of the wise. So, too, the pompous speak with an echo, and as their talk can only totter on with the aid of stilts, at every word they need the support of a stupid bravo. Number 142 never from obstinacy take the wrong side because your opponent has anticipated you in taking the right one you begin the fight already beaten and must soon take to flight in disgrace with bad weapons one can never win it was astute in the opponent to seize the better side first it would be folly to come lagging after with the worst such obstinacy is more dangerous in actions than in words for action encounters more risk than talk tis the common failing of the obstinate that they lose the true by contradicting it and the useful by quarrelling with it the sage never places himself on the side of passion but espouses the cause of right either discovering it first or improving it later if the enemy is a fool he will in such a case turn round to follow the opposite and worse way. Thus the only way to drive him from the better course is to take it yourself, for his folly will cause him to desert it, and his obstinacy be punished for so doing. Number 143. Never become paradoxical in order to avoid the trite. Both extremes damage our reputation. Every undertaking which differs from the reasonable approaches foolishness. The paradox is a cheat. It wins applause at first by its novelty and piquancy, but afterwards it becomes discredited when the deceit is foreseen and its emptiness becomes apparent. It is a species of jugglery, and in matters political would be the ruin of states. Those who cannot or dare not reach great deeds on the direct road of excellence, go round by way of paradox, admired by fools, but making wise men true prophets. It argues an unbalanced judgment, and if it is not altogether based on the false, it is certainly founded on the uncertain, and risks the weightier matters of life. Number 144. Begin another's to end with your own. Tis a politic means to your end. Even in heavenly matters, Christian teachers lay stress on this holy cunning. It is a weightier piece of dissimulation, 
for the foreseen advantages serve as a lure to influence the other's will. His affair seems to be in train when it is really only leading the way for another's. One should never advance unless under cover, especially where the ground is dangerous. Likewise, with persons who always say no at first, it is useful to ward off this blow because the difficulty of conceding much more does not occur to them when your version is presented to them. This advice belongs to the rule about second thoughts, chapter 13, which covers the most subtle maneuvers of life. Number 145. Do not show your wounded finger, for everything will knock up against it, nor complain about it, for malice always aims where weakness can be injured. It is no use to be vexed, being the butt of the talk will only vex you the more. Ill will searches for wounds to irritate, aims darts to try the temper, and tries a thousand ways to sting to the quick. The wise never own to being hit, or disclose any evil, whether personal or hereditary. For even fate sometimes likes to wound us where we are most tender. It always mortifies wounded flesh. Never, therefore, disclose the source of mortification, or of joy, if you wish the one to cease, and the other to endure. Number 146. Look into the interior of things. Things are generally other than they seem, and ignorance that never looks beneath the rind becomes disabused when you show the kernel. Lies always come first, dragging fools along by their irreparable vulgarity. Truth always lags last, limping along on the arm of time. The wise, therefore, reserve for it the other half of that power which the common mother has widely given in duplicate. Deceit is very superficial, and the superficial therefore easily fall into it. Prudence lives retired within its recesses, visited only by sages and wise men. Number 147. Do not be inaccessible. None is so perfect that he does not need, at times, the advice of others. He is an incorrigible ass who will never listen to anyone. Even the most surpassing intellect should find a place for friendly counsel. Sovereignty itself must learn to lean. There are some that are incorrigible simply because they are inaccessible. They fall to ruin because none dares to extricate them. The highest should have the door open for friendship. It may prove the gate of help. A friend must be free to advise, and even to upbraid, without feeling embarrassed. Our satisfaction in him and our trust in his steadfast faith give him that power. One need not pay respect or give credit to everyone, but in the innermost of his precaution man has a true mirror of a confidant to whom he owes the correction of his errors, and has to thank for it. Number 148. Have the Art of Conversation. That is where the real personality shows itself. No act in life requires more attention, though it be the commonest thing in life. You must either lose or gain by it. If it needs care to write a letter, 
which is but a deliberate and written conversation, how much more the ordinary kind in which there is occasion for a prompt display of intelligence. Experts feel the pulse of the soul is the tongue, wherefore the sage said, Speak, that I may know thee. Some hold that the art of conversation is to be without art, that it should be neat, not gaudy, like the garments. This holds good for talk between friends, but when held with a person to whom one would show respect, it should be more dignified to answer to the dignity of the person addressed. To be appropriate, it should adapt itself to the mind and tone of the interlocutor. And do not be a critic of words, or you will be taken for pedant, nor a tax-gatherer of ideas, or men will avoid you, or at least sell their thoughts dear. In conversation, discretion is more important than eloquence. Number 149. Know how to put off ills on others. To have a shield against ill-will is a great piece of skill in a ruler. It is not the resort of incapacity, as ill-wishers imagine, but is due to the higher policy of having someone to receive the censure of the disaffected and the punishment of universal detestation. Everything cannot turn out well, nor can everyone be satisfied. It is well, therefore, even at the cost of our pride, to have such a scapegoat, such a target, for unlucky undertakings. Number 150. Know to get your price for things. Their intrinsic value is not sufficient, for all do not bite at the kernel or look into the interior. Most go with the crowd and go because they see others go. It is a great stroke of art to bring things into repute, at times by praising them, for praise arouses desire, at times by giving them a striking name which is very useful for putting things at a premium, provided it is done without affectation. Again, it is generally an inducement to profess to supply only connoisseurs, for all think themselves such, and, if not, the sense of want arouses the desire. Never call things easy or common. That makes them depreciated rather than made accessible. All rush after the unusual, which is more appetizing both for the taste and for the intelligence. End of section 17